the book of Hebrews. Y'all get used to that song we just sang because that's going to be that's the first time we've ever done it as a congregational. Uh, but man, what a message and song! Can you imagine that day when you see your Savior face to face, and you're standing beside the heroes of the faith, um, and all your loved ones who've gone for wow, oh, man, what a blessing to sing about heaven. And so um, Hebrews chapter number ten. Uh, tonight, um, we've been going through a series on the power of encouragement. We've looked at the foundation of encouragement. We've looked at the framework of encouragement. And tonight, I want us to look at the force of encouragement. Uh, because encouragement certainly is a powerful force in the world. And we really grasp and get a hold of what God wants to teach us about encouragement. It really is life-changing, and God can use you to change uh, your local community even if we get a hold of this. Let's pray, and let's get into the Word tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you for the songs we have sung. Lord, we thank you for heaven. We thank you for the promise of heaven for believers uh, that one day, God, we will dwell, uh, Lord, on the new earth with you, with our loved ones, with all the heroes of the faith for all eternity, Uh, Lord, experiencing Uh, life as you meant it. And God, we are excited and long for that day. Lord, help us to keep our affection set on things that are above. Uh, Lord, not on things uh, here on the earth. Uh, Lord, I pray tonight that you would use your word, God, to go beyond just our hearing, but God, to our hearts, and that you would use it to challenge us, God, and change us. Lord, help us to get a hold of what your word teaches us in regards to encouragement. Uh, God, it's truly uh, life-changing if we really grasp these truths uh, Lord, speak to us tonight, and I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. On June the 18th of 1956, there was a freak accident that happened on a lake in New York. A speeding motorboat bounced on a wave and shot into the water two of its passengers, a 50-year-old man and a little girl. To keep her from drowning, the man held her head above water while the boat circled back. They rescued the little girl, but the man sank and drowned. This is how Dawson Trotman died, the founder of the Navigators and International Discipleship Ministry. According to a quote in Time magazine, he lived to save others. His death was just the way he would have planned it. His obituary read like this, Dawson Trotman, always lifting someone else up. Who would agree tonight that's a legacy to leave behind? How about you? What would yours be? Are you known as someone who lifts others up? Do you live to save others? In a word, encouragement is lifting someone else up. Tonight, I want us to look at the force of of encouragement, because certainly the power of encouragement, the force of encouragement in this man's life certainly impacted many. He was known as an encourager. I want us to look primarily tonight, we're going to look at three things from Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at the principle, the person, and the practice of encouragement. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, and let's look at verses 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, 
as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In the Greek, we've talked about this. The word encouragement means to call to one side, uh, to comfort, to console, to strengthen. Uh, Basically, the word means to put courage in, to infuse somebody with courage. At the time of the writing of our text tonight, uh, there was a great persecution. In fact, God's people were uh, expecting more intense persecution. And our tendency during such trying times, theirs as well as the, in their time as well as in our time, would be to save our own skin, <laughs> would be to take care of ourselves, to keep ourselves out of harm's way. But the book of Hebrews, the writer here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, challenges them to encourage one another. Uh, Someone wrote that encouragement is the kind of expression that helps someone want to be a better Christian even when life is rough. To encourage is to inspire another to have courage. It's interesting to note that the Greek word for courage is the one used, it's it's the same word used for the word comforter in reference to the Holy Spirit. Now see, now think about this with me. Often, you know, I find often I love to talk about encouragement. I love to talk about um, focusing on things that are praiseworthy and positive, Philippians 4.8. I love sermons where I get to talk and discuss these things. But often encouragement is something that kind of just falls by the wayside because honestly, I think we often just don't think that it's that important to my spiritual health and to my life. I think we all agree it's needed. We need to be encouraging. But how important is it to be in a, in a practice encouragement? Well, here's why it's so important. People often usually equate works of the Spirit with signs and wonders. But when we encourage another, we show that the Holy Spirit really dwells among us when we offer encouragement. In fact, encouragement, I believe, is the best indicator that the Spirit is working in and through our lives. I believe it's the greatest indicator that we are walking in step, being controlled by the Comforter, by the Holy Spirit. So our lack of encouragement could be an indicator of our lack of walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that in the Greek language they use the same word for Holy Spirit, and encouragement. The word encourage in our text is in the present tense. It means a habit or a way of life. In fact, Hebrews commands us to encourage one another daily as long as it's called today back in Hebrews 3. We're going to look at those in a second. It is also in the active voice, which means that we don't wait for others to encourage us. That's what it means. We don't wait for someone else to be an encouragement, but we take the initiative. We are intentional to encourage somebody else, to infuse someone else with courage, to build somebody else up. But see, we must encourage even if others don't. Even if we're the only one that does, we must encourage other people. Note it says we are to encourage one another. That means that it is not only for pastors, it's not only for me, it's for every single person in the church to be an encouragement to those sitting next to them. Look back at Hebrews 3 quickly with me. Go back to Hebrews 3. I want you to see a couple of verses. Hebrews chapter number 3. 
Look at verse 12. Now, these are difficult verses to read, but at the same time, we're going to draw a great thought out of these verses that is, it shows us the urgency of this. While we must build one another up, it says, Take care, brethren, let, that there not be in any one of you an evil heart of un, uh, unbelief. We're in verse 12. That falls away from the living God. But look at verse 13. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sins. For we have been partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. Look, when a person is discouraged, when we fail to practice encouragement in our lifestyles, when we find ourselves critical, cynical, and negative all the time with people, it can lead to a life of sin. And sin can deceive. And sin can harden the heart to the point that it becomes sinful and unbelieving, leading the person to turn his back on God. Someone wrote that people live by encouragement. Without it, they die slowly, sadly, and bitterly. Verse 24 of our text, it says, Let us consider... Let us consider, this means to observe attentively, fix one's eyes or mind upon. In short, the writer is challenging the believers to set your mind on, your heart on encouraging one another. It's never accidental, but intentional. It's never accidental. You cannot accidentally decide or accidentally be an encouragement. It's an intentional choice that you make to encourage someone else. I like how this verse is paraphrased. It says, let's see how inventive we can be, <laughs> is the paraphrase of this verse. Let's see how inventive we can be. Let us think of creative ways to encourage someone else. Verse 24 in our text continues, let us consider how to stimulate one another, t- stimulate simply to incite someone to do something. In other words, to create a thirst, a thirst for what? What, are, what is the writer telling us to encourage others to do? to create a thirst in them for, toward love and good deeds. That's how we measure encouragement. Love and good deeds. See, encouragement is not some uh, fuzzy feeling. It's not flattery. Encouragement motivates people toward love and good deeds, the writer says. Always remember, as the song goes, feelings are nothing more than feelings. If someone become, became a more loving person or a better person, then we have really encouraged them. Hey, how many would agree tonight? We got to quit walking by our feelings so much. I stop right there and just preach a little bit. We got to quit walking by our feelings so much and walk by faith. You know, in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, the writer, a man of God, a preacher, in this entire book where he's questioning God in Habakkuk 2, 4, makes this declaration that has stuck throughout the centuries. That was repeated by the Apostle Paul. He said, for the just will live by their faith. Because if we lived by our feelings all the time, we'd be in a mess. And some of us may be trying to do that, and I'm telling you, you're in a mess. While you're emotionally erect, mentally erect, physically erect, it's because you're living by your feelings, not by your faith. And we got to get over our feelings. we got to decide, look, I'm going to live by my faith. I'm going to walk by 
faith. You see, we're stimulating one another to love and good deeds. As Again, feelings are nothing more than feelings. If someone becomes loving, becomes a better person, then we really encourage him or her. I want you to notice verse 25 of our text. Notice what it says. Not forsaking our own assembling together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I'm thankful for spiritual growth that happens in, in, in your life. Um, but, you know, one thing I, I seek to do each day of my life is to grow in some way. Um, that's why you read. That's why you, you read after great authors and you read the Word of God especially. And you want the Lord to grow you. And often when we come to verse 25, we, we, especially preachers, we like to stop and just harp on church attendance. And certainly, I believe we should come to church all the time, every time doors are open. I believe that. Now, I believe we need more church, not less. In fact, there's nowhere I'd rather be than right here. I mean, this is where I find the encouragement and the strength that I need um, in my walk with Christ. So certainly, I'm not uh, going the other direction here. But we often... We, we harp on, on church attendance, not forsaking the assembling of, of yourselves together. Um, but note the conjunction in our verse, but. We often miss this. It says, but, and it gives a strong contrast between the clauses, not forsaking our own assembling together and encouraging one another. That means that even if we attend church services, if we fail, now listen, if we fail to encourage others, we have not obeyed this verse to the full extent. If you attend worship and you encourage no one when you're here, you're not living in complete obedience to this verse. We often harp on the attendance. Hey, can I say something right here? Attendance is easy. Attendance is easy. Think about it. It's easy. You know, I like one writer, he refers kind of to this as the stands. No, attendance is easy. It's a lot harder to get involved, to practice encouragement, to make a difference in someone's life. It requires something of us. And so if we don't do those things, then we're not obeying this verse fully. And boy, that's, that's just an area of growth in my own life. How we often get stuck on the first part and preach that first part, but we miss that second part. That's so, so important. William Barclay wrote this. He said, it's easy to laugh at men's ideals. It's easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers. We have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many a time, a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheers kept a man on his feet. He said, blessed is the man who speaks such a word. I'll never forget the little old lady who said, she said this. She said, a word of encouragement, keep me going at least two months. At least two months. The power of encouragement. That's the principle. I want you to notice number two, the person of encouragement. I think I, I, I'm sorry, brother. I didn't introduce my first point like I should have. The first point was the principle of encouragement. The second is the person of encouragement. The person of encouragement. See, we need a flesh and blood example of this. Who is someone that, that lived their life in such a way that encouragement played out in their life, and it's really, it was really a part of who they were. Let's look at the man named Joseph. Now, our minds right there when I said that could have gone to many, many that we know of in the Bible. 
by that name. Some may ask, well, Joseph who? Who are you talking about? But see, if I mention the name Barnabas, we may have a little bit better understanding. Let's look at the man Barnabas. In Acts chapter 4, we see him mentioned for the first time. It says, There were no needy persons among them. For From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Here it is, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, listen to this, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. What's your nickname? (laughs) What's your nickname? We often give nicknames to shorten our names or to point out a, a, a particular characteristic about ourselves. Joseph earned the nickname Barnabas for his unselfish sacrificial act of his selling his field to support others. The book of Acts intentionally singles Barnabas out among those who sold their properties to help others. Either we, we don't know, but maybe the donation was big enough so the apostles took notice of it or he himself had set this trend of sacrificial selling of stuff to give to, to the church. Whatever the reason, that's, that's all speculatory, whatever the reason, Barnabas was his nickname. He had earned the nickname Son of Encouragement. One who encourages others is another meaning. Now, it's important to note it wasn't just anybody else that nicknamed Barnabas. It was the apostles themselves who put their seal of approval on this man. So let's ask ourselves tonight, if I would get a nickname, if I would have someone who would pick out a nickname for me for what I am doing, what would it be? If my life could be described, maybe in a word, what would it be? Would it be a son of encouragement or a person of encouragement? 11, Acts 11.24 describes Barnabas as a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Kind of sounds like somebody I'd want to be like. How about you? Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Again, his nickname was son of encouragement. Now, what would have happened? Now, think about this. What would have happened if Barnabas had never come along? What would have happened to Saul of Tarsus if Barnabas had never intervened on his behalf? Have you ever thought about that? Because, see, this man, this persecutor of Christians, y'all know who I'm talking about. He had thrown people in prison, was ruthless in his persecution of the church. God saves him. And kind of like today, you know, when someone gets saved, we question it sometimes. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Saul walking up with Barnabas and the other disciples, he just got saved. And the disciples look at him, you're kidding, man. You keep him away from us. Can you imagine the maybe the shock or, or whatever in the disciples' lives? Barnabas steps in on his behalf, encourages the others. God's worked here. And because of Barnabas, his encouragement, and again, his nickname, son of encouragement, because of him uh, intervening, putting courage in them, the Apostle Paul's ministry goes forth. 
Have you ever thought about that? The power, the force, the effect of encouragement, how it works out, how it plays out. Later on, Barnabas gave Paul his first ministry break. When God opened a door in Antioch, the early church sent Barnabas uh, to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts and a great number of the people. Listen, because of his encouragement, were brought to the Lord. True to his nickname, the encourager encouraged them. Here we find in Barnabas' life this son of encouragement. How How do I practice this? How do I live this out? We see that he encouraged them to do what? Remain faithful to the Lord. So we see that a part of encouragement is telling people to remain faithful, asking people to remain faithful to the Lord. Barnabas, the son of encouragement. The son of encouragement. The person of encouragement. I want you to notice tonight, number three, and lastly, I want you to notice the practice of encouragement, the practice. Go with me to the Old Testament. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 25. If you like to mark in your Bibles, I encourage you, mark these verses, commit them to memory, and live these out. Commit them to memory and live them out. Proverbs chapter 25, and I want you to go to verse 11. Go to verse 11. It says this, Like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Like an earring of gold, an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. One writer said this, he said, Within our larger culture and sadly even within many church contexts, we have lost sight of the importance of being people of encouragement. He goes on to say, we can tell the world what we think in 140 characters or less, post mocking memes and spout self-righteous indignation, but how well are you doing in the area of encouragement? Hey, would you say that the world has gotten increasingly more encouraging or more discouraging? <laughs> you know, and, you know, often it's so goes the world, so goes the church. But how many believe that's backwards? So goes the church, should so go the world. We should be the leaders in the area of encouragement. We should be the leaders in the area of encouraging people to do what's right, uh, to make right choices, to encourage people in the faith. Uh, we should be the last people to get jump on our social media to vent and, and, and call out people and, and even call out, look, I, I, look, some of you may not like this statement, um, but I'm not going to get on social media and run down the president. He's still our president. I still should respect the position and the authority that's been placed above me. Why? Because the Bible tells me to do that. I can disagree. I can take a stand. Uh, but, I, but as a Christian, how many agree? We should respond differently when life gets discouraging and hard and challenging and difficult. 
We should respond differently to all this stuff. And so we have a powerful, now think about this, we have a powerful opportunity. Now, and I don't know if you're on social media, I don't, I don't know. You have a powerful opportunity to impact many lives. You have a tool in your hand every day of your life called your cell phone that you can use to be an encouragement to other people, to make a difference in someone's life. And if Christians all across the globe would get a hold of this, man, we could really shake the world up with the gospel. We could drown out some of the negativity that we see in our culture and our world that so affects us. The practice of encouragement. Look, Proverbs says, look, like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Look, have you ever been at a point in your life where you've been down, discouraged, depressed, and sad? You've been having a rough time and God sends somebody along to say exactly what you need to be, exactly what you need to hear to encourage you, to put courage in you to keep moving one step in front of the other. We can point to people in our lives that God put there. How about we be those people? How about we be that person that puts courage in someone else? I heard John Maxwell's got a great book called Encouragement Changes Everything. And in the book he says, uh, the best way to cheer yourself up is to cheer somebody else up. <laughs> he told the story one time, sitting in an airport, and things are backed up and delayed. And man, you know how mad it becomes a madhouse in the airport. You want to see Christians lose their testimony, you let flights get delayed. <laughs> He's sitting there in the airport, and everybody's getting crazy and going mad. And he decides, well, I'm, I'm going to try to be an encouragement. I'm going to try to be an encouragement here. So he just started talking to people, trying to encourage people. I think he bought the whole, the whole uh, area. I think he bought them all Cokes. <laughs> I'm going to buy everybody a Coke. We're going to settle this. We're going to try to calm down here. He just decided right there in the airport, I want to be an encouragement to these people. My flight's delayed too, but I can't respond like they're responding. And God used him to be a blessing to many people at that time. But think about how words affect the different areas of our lives. Now think with me real quick. The power of words. Think about how they affect your marriage. Isn't it true a married couple can say one thing to one another and they don't talk the rest of the day? Married couples often know their, but, their buttons that they, you know, we need to stop pushing each other's buttons. Somebody say amen. Hey, marriage, look, think about how, how your marriage would simply change. Say, well, you don't know what my marriage is like. My marriage is, is terrible. Look, you have no idea. You, you, pay, you put it to the practice and then tell me. You come back to me in a week and tell me if your week hasn't been better. If I decide right now in my marriage I'm going to be an encourager to my spouse. I'm going to notice what they do right before they, what they do wrong. Hey, how hard is that to notice that? Because we're just prone to notice what's wrong. Marriages would change. Marriages are often prone to condemnation and criticism, and that leads to communication breakdown, which leads to marital tension, which leads down a road to divorce. Think about how words affect our work, those we work with, those we work for. Dedication, hard work. Hey, have you ever been where you worked really hard on a project? You did something really, really good for your company. It was never noticed. Hey, granted, that's why we work as into the Lord. Somebody say amen. We do all things for the glory of God. It may never get noticed by people down here. But it hurts. It stings. When things don't get noticed, when we never hear positive, encouraging communication in the workplace, morale drops, people leave. 
Many young people lack the motivation to overcome their fears because of constant negativity, criticism that's directed at them. They never hear their parents encourage them or push them to do something new and exciting. Hey, let's look at what the practice of encouragement does real quick. It brings, first of all, it brings change. Everyone in here needs something to change in your life. If you adopt encouragement, say, well, pastor, it's not my personality. Can I say this in all the kindness of my heart? I don't care. (laughs) It doesn't matter if it's your personality. Encouragement is an act of obedience, not a matter of a personality. It's an act of obedience. Encouragement brings change. When you practice it and say, you know what, I'm going to choose to be obedient to this. It brings change. Again, Proverbs 25:11, like apples of gold and settings of silver, is a word spoken in right circumstances. Encouragement is a more powerful motivator, listen to me, than criticism every single day of the week. And I'm talking to me as much as I am anybody here. You want to see your kids change. Encourage them more than you criticize them. Many times I've had to go back to the, the oldest who's in here tonight and apologize because of a remark I made, a critical spirit I had. You want to see things go well, learn to encourage your kids, encourage your spouse. Learn to be that person that walks into work encouraging everybody around you. Encouragement brings change. The second thing it does is it brings correction. It brings correction. Verse 12 of Proverbs 25, Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. When I was 14 years old, I had a baseball coach. His name was Coach Hazlip. And that particular season... He took me, and and he corrected everything. I had played baseball for years. He corrected everything about my batting stance, my approach, my fundamentals, my technique. I remember I hit off tees. I remember getting irritated by it. I was hitting off tees every practice. In fact, um, we hit off tees every practice, didn't hit live pitching until the very first game of the season. That was the game we hit live pitching. (laughs) And we ended up winning 11-1, to 1, so he made his point about our hitting technique. But he changed everything. Look, he would, get in your, he would get in my face. He is the type of guy, when he wanted to make a point, he would come up and stand nose-to-nose with you just about, almost like a, uh, you know, he kind of reminded you of a military guy. He would come and get in your face when, you were, when your attitude was going south. He would kick you back in line. He would point out what you did wrong and show you how to do it the right way. The year before, I hit 306. This particular season, I hit over 400, made the league all-star, league all-star squad. Encouragement corrects and leads to greater success in the life of the one being encouraged. I thank God. I wish I could get in touch with him today. I might try to find him. I wish I could t- tell him, thank you for the encouragement, not just in baseball, because he taught us so much more about life, being a man. He would always say that, being men. I thank God for a man like that. See, encouragement's not always flattered. Hey, man, you're doing a good job. Encouragement is correction. Hey, you can do it better this way. You try this, you'll improve your swing. You'll improve your timing. I thank God 
for how affirming, firm, and positive his correction was. What strategy should you utilize in your life if you want to help bring about change? You see, a harsh, now listen to this, a harsh and a foolish reprover attacks the person. But a wise reprover seeks to address the problem. You see, a Proverbs 15.1 says, The soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Hey, boy, what would change in our lives if we would say, you know what, I'm going to be an encourager even when I have to correct. I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm not going to lose control. God be with me. Hey, that's hard, isn't it, sometimes, not to lose control. Lord, help me to have a soft demeanor, a soft approach, soft but firm in my correction. Look, relationships that are long on criticism and short on encouragement will ultimately not bring great value to our life. Look, if you want to help others grow, practice encouragement ten times as often as you bring a word of correction. And truthfully, you have to focus on it that much if encouragement becomes a practice in your life. You'll find, I'm going to be an encourager. Hey, look, tomorrow, say, Lord, help me to go the entire day and not say one critical thing. By lunchtime, you'll be struggling. <laughs> Go through a drive through or something. They mess your order up. <laughs> hey, look, it's hard. Our nature is naturally drawn to criticism. But we can do this. Look, it brings, brings change. It brings correction. But I want you to notice number three, the practice of encouragement brings courage. In verse 13 of Proverbs 25, like the Cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to, to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. You see, information only goes so far before we have to do something with it. You see, it takes courage to change. And one of the greatest gifts you can give someone is the confidence. Now listen, one of the greatest things you can give someone is not something you go out here and buy. Not some... Mon amount of money or, or some grand gift. But the greatest gift you can give someone is the confidence to believe that they can really do all things through Christ who strengthens them. That they really can have a relationship with God and peace and joy and meaning in their lives. This Today I got back to the office and... Uh, I hear somebody holler out, it's the church open. <laughs> I'm walking into the door, and I turn around. I know who it was. I was well, about to be. <laughs> I was walking in. There's a young man riding a bike. Can you imagine riding a bike for miles in the heat today? So he asked, could he come inside for a little bit and, 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 uh, and cool down? I said, man, I don't know who you are. Get lost. Y'all know I didn't do that. I hope, I hope that after getting to know me for almost 10 years, y'all know I didn't do that. No, I said, sure, man, you know, come on in the church. And uh, on the way in, I said, well, what's your name? He said, Luke. I kind of, you know, just gave him a look. He said, I know it's not very popular. I stuck my hand out. I said, hello, my name's Luke. <laughs> I don't get to meet many Lukes. Brought him in the church, got him a cup of ice water sat down. He was riding his bike. He, he's 18 years old. He's graduated. He's going into the Air Force soon. He's riding his bike to see his girlfriend. 
And y'all not going to believe what his girlfriend's name was. Amanda. I had to look her up because this was getting weird. I had to, that's the good thing about social media. Boom, boom. Social media, Amanda, he told me her last name. All right, okay, she's a real person. <laughs> but he sat in my office, and I got to talk to this young fellow about the Lord. Tried to encourage him. Because I used to be 18 one time. I said, man, there's a lot I wish I would have gotten a hold of then that I know now. And he said, you know, I kind of feel like maybe I'm talking to myself 22 years from now. I said, maybe you are. Encourage him to know the Lord. Encourage him to walk with Christ. He had attended church and he got fed up. Talking to an 18-year-old now. He got fed up with, with the fakeness. And the hypocrisy of people say they're Christians, but he sees the way they act. He said, I went to school and Christians didn't act any different than everybody else and were doing the same things. And he said, I just didn't know if it was worth it or not. So I just kind of decided to do my own thing. So I encouraged him, shared the gospel with him, shared a brief element of my testimony. Because I want to do what I could today to give Luke courage for the rest of his days. I, you know, it seems to be a, a troubled situation, best, best I could tell, with his family. But y'all pray for Luke. Look, encouragement, when we practice it, brings change, correction, and courage. When we offer it to other people, we, it's to put courage in. It's to give someone the courage to keep moving, to keep pursuing. Look, how different would our churches and families be if the majority of God's people were committed to encouraging one another, more than we are criticizing one another. Throughout the New Testament, we see both Jesus and Paul speaking words of courageous commitment to those whom he sought to influence. I like what one author said. He said, when you encourage, you capture the heart of Christ who who sought to encourage. I started by sharing how Dawson Trotman was labeled as a person who always lifted people up. In his funeral, Billy Graham summed up Trotman's life this way. I think Dawson Trotman had personally touched more lives than anybody that I've ever known. I think about who's making that statement. I think he's touched more lives than anybody I've ever known. Church, I'm here to tell you tonight, God can use you to touch many lives that you work with, that you go to school with, lives of those in your family, if you will simply choose to be obedient to what the Bible tells us about encouragement. Chuck Swindoll wrote this. He said, I know of no more needed, more valuable, most Christ-like than the individual who is committed to the ministry of encouragement. All of us have a ministry here at Highland Drive. And that ministry could simply be to be an encouragement. Let's stand together tonight and let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this evening. God, I thank you for what your word teaches us about encouragement. And Father, I just pray tonight that, God, we would really get a hold of this, that we would not brush it to the side, that we would not take it for granted or play it down, but God, we would see how vital this is to the church, to our health, to our families, to our marriages, 
to our workplaces. God, to everyday living as you bring people into our lives like you brought this young man into my life today. God, every day we have an opportunity to encourage someone else. And so, Father, help us to take advantage of those opportunities to be used by you. God, because truly, as we've pointed out, it truly is evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives when we do that. So, Father, help us to be obedient. Lord, we thank you so much for the work you're doing in our lives, in our church, in our community, God, in the world. God, we see you at work. And, Father, we thank you for that. Lord, I love you. And it's in Christ's name we pray all of these things. And I'm going to ask Brother Eric, if he will, to close us in prayer tonight.